Welcome to the Global Fellowship Podcast. My name is Alex and I am from Boys Brigade, Victoria, and I am co-hosting today with Margaret. Hi, everyone. My name is Margaret. I am from BBUK and I'm super excited that you've all joined us here today at our very first episode of our GF Podcast. So, Margaret, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I've been um, part of the Boys Brigade for about 10 years now. I started when I was 14. And man, what a crazy 10 years that has been. The Boys Brigade for me is, is a huge, huge part of my life. The amount of crazy stuff that we do is, is really cool. Uh, one of my favorites is always going on camp. I'm sure you you guys have camps in Australia, Alex. But we we get up to so many cool things that you just don't do every day at home, at school, with your family. And you get to do it surrounded by friends. I remember we we made we make our own bonfires. We we cook marshmallows on a fire that we were hardly able to get started. Um, and so, you know, it didn't really toast the marshmallow. Um, you know, we built shelters, um, met other people from different parts of the country in Boys Brigade. And Boys Brigade is, is much, much bigger than that. What about you, Alex? You, you, What kind of stuff did you get up to at, at camp? Well, yeah, I too have been around for a while. Darwin Baby when I was seven. And yeah, the highlight for me would have to be the camps as well. At my company camp, I'm part of the 14th Vic Werribee company out in Melbourne, Australia. And every year at our company camp, we have a game of capture the flag. But it's not Uh just like, it's not just like, you know, any game. It's like 20 acres of forest. We play like a dusk. So it's getting dark. It gets darker mm-hmm. and darker the longer we go on. And we go like full, full on, right? So I've got like full black clothing, gloves, balaclava. Like we're going, we're going all out. Yeah, that would have to be one of the highlights for me is playing capture the flag on camps. But I mean, yeah, we get to do so many cool things. Uh, we had going on camps, meeting people, and then global fellowship. Just sort of like times a million, all of that. You get to meet really cool people from all over the world. Out of all the countries that Global Fellowship are in, which country is it that you'd want to visit most? Which organization? Oh, which organization do I want to visit most? Yeah, the country that I would like to visit most, I think, would have to be Boys Brigade Uganda. I think I would mm-hmm. love to go out and see the other member of our Global Fellowship Young Leaders Group, uh, who's an officer in Uganda. I'd love to go out and see him, uh, visit his company, and see how they do things over there. Because they've got about sixty thousand members in Boys and Girls Brigade Uganda, which I mean, that's pretty cool. So I'd love to go and see how they do things. Yeah, just our Africa continent, to be fair, is is absolutely huge because I think our biggest member is Nigeria. They have about a a million, a million members in in Boys Brigade Nigeria. And just like they have so many countries there that are just starting Boys Brigade as well. So recently we've had um, Pakistan have started Boys Brigade. I know Ethiopia are looking to start Boys Brigade in the near future. So lots of really exciting things are happening in, in just the continent of Africa. It is very, very, very exciting. But something else that is very exciting is this podcast, because this is our first episode. We often hear um, you know, these stories about what happens in other member organizations overseas, but we don't often hear much. 
we hear like, oh, they've got so many boys in BB Nigeria, or there's a really cool camp that FDF did in Denmark. But I think what I'm really looking forward to this podcast is being able to hear from member organizations about what they do and the really awesome stuff that's going on all around the world. Yeah, so this podcast, as, as Alex said, we're going to meet lots of people for you to get to know, for us to get to know. Any other suggestions of people you want to hear from, do let us know. We are excited to be starting this series of podcasts as part of the Young Leaders Group from Global Fellowship and sharing with you all the, the, the joy and passion that other people have for Christian youth organisations across the globe and learn about what badges they earn that I also wish I could earn, but can't anymore. <laughs> and to kick us off for our first episode, very exciting, our flagship episode, we are going to be interviewing Mr. Tim Pratt, who is the chair of Global Fellowship. And we have a really awesome chat with him. I am really excited to introduce Tim here that's with us today to tell us a little bit about himself. Tim, do you want to give us a little intro about who you are? Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. My name's Tim Pratt. Um, I'm from New Zealand, and currently I am the chair of Global Fellowship of Christian Youth. That's really awesome. Hey. To get to know you a bit better, Tim, we have got a little bit of an icebreaker game for you. We want, we well, want you to... That. We want you to pretend that you are stuck on a desert island and you can only have three items with you. We want to know what they would be and why you would have them. Well, three items. Okay, so I'm not allowed humans uh, because that would kind of be a little boring uh, or uh, predictable, I guess, if we went with humans because uh, I'd obviously want wife and children and that would take all three. So let's exclude them, all right? The first one I'm going to say is a Bible. I need to be spiritually nurtured, not to drive myself insane. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go with the Bible. Secondly, I'm going to go with coffee. Uh, I have uh, a little addiction to coffee. Uh, in fact, for probably about the last, gosh, 25 years, I've roasted my own beans. So I've gone and got green beans, roasted them. I started off roasting them in a little popcorn maker. Uh, and then graduated up and bought more expensive roasters. So coffee would need to be in there. And number three, I'd need to have a boat because uh, the water and sailing is also a very impo important part of my life. Uh, and obviously, quite naturally, uh, if I'm stuck on a desert island and have a boat, there's kind of like the possibility I might be able to get off. I don't think I've ever heard anyone answer with like a boat to this question. And I think that's such a genius answer. That is, that is a very sensible answer. And I think that, yeah, I think coffee, I think many of us would agree that coffee is, is, is essential. And also the skill of being able to roast your own coffee. I mean, that's, that's one of the top skills if you're stuck on a desert island, I think. Um, so, Tim, could you give us a little bit more information about what you do for a job during the day? A job during the day. Yeah, uh, look, what I do is uh, when I first left university, I had a very strong sense of calling to Christian ministry. And so I went and trained as a Baptist pastor. Uh, and I spent about 15 years, I think, uh, involved in pastoring Baptist churches. Uh, a lot of that time was also involved in doing youth work. 
and then from there, uh, I made a little bit of a sidestep and found myself involved in managing uh, Christian organisations. Uh, that began with Boys Brigade in New Zealand. And I probably spent about 25 years, this is kind of showing my age now, all right, I'm pretty old. Uh, I probably spent about 25 years doing change management in a number of Christian organizations. And just currently, uh, I am, uh, I kind of gone full circle because I'm at the University of Auckland now uh, as the lead chaplain. And so that means I'm involved in uh, spiritual well-being. Uh, amongst students and staff that sees me involved in things like uh, spiritual counselling, running services, funerals, weddings, um, workshops, conferences. And interestingly, we also have uh, a little part of our chaplaincy services, which looks at the interface of uh, Christianity uh, with science. And so uh, we host conferences on uh, those kind of topics as well. Nice. So sounds like you work with a lot of young people or have worked with a lot of young people throughout like your, your whole career. Yes, it has been uh, yeah, pretty much the focal point of my career in actual fact. You're dead right. Yeah. Nice. So how did you, you go from working with young people in your day job to start working with BB and then into GF then? Well, the transition kind of happened uh, that uh, when I moved out of church-based work, the reason for that really was because I got interested in mission. I became increasingly concerned that uh, the church was doing very well at serving people that were already within the church, but we weren't doing so well at communicating with wider society. And so I became interested really in how do we communicate Christian truth to people uh, within the wider society. Uh, And that's what led me to working with Christian organisations. And uh, I ended up working for Boys Brigade in New Zealand uh, as their national secretary. I spent about eight years uh, doing that. And part of my role working with Boys Brigade in New Zealand was leading a transition. Uh, When I first started working there, we were losing something like 13% of our membership every year. Uh, and uh, New Zealand's a small country, uh, and Boys Brigade uh, is quite small, so 13% every year was a lot of people to be losing. So we had a lot of talks with uh, a bunch of people, and that led to starting uh, a new initiative, which we called ICONS. And really the whole idea behind ICONS was to keep the same objectives that Boys Brigade has always had, but to repackage them. Uh, and so we re-emphasised outdoor activities. Uh, we in- re-emphasised uh, having fun, having modern music Uh, It was bright, it was colourful, that was the whole idea. Uh, And so the idea really was just to try and re-image, I guess, the offering of what Boys Brigade uh, had traditionally been within New Zealand. And it became a lot more contemporary in its style. When we started that, we kind of figured it might last for about five years and then we'd need to relook at the programme and modernise it again. But in actual fact, the way it worked out, uh, I think it's been about 20 years And it's really only now that the organisation is beginning to look at introducing some different changes. 
So look, I did that for about eight years. And then at that point in time, the executive of Global Fellowship were looking for uh, a new chief executive. And I think there was an executive member who was involved from Australia at that point in time. And he must have heard some of what was happening in New Zealand, contacted me and said, look, would you be interested in working for Global Fellowship? And so that led to my working as the chief executive for Global Fellowship uh, for about four years. Uh, and that was a really interesting role. So in, in, in this chief executive role, then, Tim, what, what, can you give us a, you know, a brief overview on what, what kind of stuff you, you do? Well, uh, look, this was going back quite a period of time. I'm no longer the chief executive, uh, but let me tell you a little bit about what my uh, key role was at that particular point in time. Um, back then, this was round about, gosh, I think 2004. Uh, and at that point in time, Global Fellowship was uh, effectively bulk funding a number of organizations, largely Boys Brigade within the African continent. It would just give them funding to run their their operations every year. The problem was we were having difficulty with uh, being able to fund that. Um, it was a nice model, but increasingly funders were wanting to see more outcomes for the money that they were giving to organizations. So we had to change the way that we were funding. And uh, effectively, uh, what we ended up doing was uh, deciding that we were going to fund specific projects within organizations. Uh, and that was a whole different model of funding. And so apart from going and trying to offer pastoral support, pastoral care for for members of staff and uh, the executive boards of Boys Brigade uh, organizations, uh, FDF, uh, and their affiliate organizations around the world. Uh, we also tried to work with those organizations to identify specific projects that we might be able to then go and convince organizations in the wealthier countries to, to fund and to support. So I spent really about, uh, I think, four years pretty much nonstop traveling quite a bit, uh, meeting with people. It was just a wonderful opportunity. So that was uh, kind of my, my initial introduction into Global Fellowship. I then had a, a few years where I had no involvement whatsoever. And then in 2013, um, on behalf of Boys Brigade in New Zealand, I represented them at uh, the council meeting of uh, Global Fellowship. I think that was in... Um, uh, in London, in Hamill Hempstead, which I'm sure you will have been to, Margaret. Um, yeah. And uh, as a result of that, I became a trustee of the organisation. Uh, and then three years later, I became its chair. And so I've been the chair of the organisation for, oh gosh, I think the last six years now. And so what does your role as chair encompass? Yeah, interesting question, really. Um, perhaps uh, the first thing to say is that oh, maybe I should explain the structure, really, of how Global Fellowship works. So we have roughly around about 60, 70 national organisations around the world, and each of those organisations are free to do whatever it is that they would like to do in terms of running their programmes. There are perhaps four things which unite us together as uh, as a global organization. Uh, the first is that we are a Christian youth organization. So all of our members are Christians. Uh, the second thing is all of them are uniformed. Uh, 
the third thing is they are all democratic. So uh, the leadership of the organization is elected into its place. It's not a dictatorship. Uh, and then the fourth component of being a member within Global Fellowship is that uh, we're interdenominational. And so all of our organizations, at least in principle, are meant to have more than one denominational group, which make them up. So each of those member organizations, uh, so long as they fulfill those four overarching things, they're free to do whatever they like. Uh, once every three years, we hold a council meeting and uh, all of those organizations are invited to come to the council meeting uh, where uh, we talk about plans for the next uh, three years for the organization as a whole. And then we elect people onto something called the executive committee. And there are four positions uh, which uh, people are voted into uh, to come onto the executive committee, and those people are called trustees. Uh, one of those four people then becomes the chair of uh, Global Fellowship, the chair of the trustees. Um, and so I currently am the chair of uh, the organization. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm similar to President Putin or uh, the president of America. It doesn't mean I'm a dictator in any sense whatsoever and get to make all the decisions. Uh, because in actual fact, uh, the organization is a bottom-up organization. We exist to serve our members rather than to tell them what to do. Uh, and so together, as trustees, uh, we make decisions in terms of the future direction of the organization. Uh, and my role effectively is twofold. Firstly, I uh, lead the meetings of the trustees when they come together. So we meet uh, roughly every four, six weeks on Zoom. Uh, and in non-COVID times, we would have met physically a couple of times a year. So I lead that group of people. And the other thing I do is I manage or work closely with our general manager, who is uh, our primary employee in the organization. He's the person who keeps everything ticking over and moving forward in the right direction. Uh, some of you will have come across him. I'm sure you will have seen him. His name is Bill Stevenson. And so Bill and I talk together. Uh, and I guess part of my role is to support Bill in his role, offer guidance or advice when that is required, and occasionally be a conduit between Bill and uh, the trustees or the executive committee. So that council meeting I was talking about, which happens once every three years, uh, that's due this year in actual fact. And so we have a council meeting coming up in Uganda, uh, which is due to happen in August of this year. And uh, we're just in the process of getting the advertising out to all of the member organizations, inviting them to come to it. Wow, it's so great to hear um, the, the vast number of roles and all the experiences that you've had in Global Fellowship and how much work that you've done. It's really amazing to hear. I'm wondering if you can narrow down um, just a couple of your highlights from your time in GF. Yeah, look, I'm pleased you gave me uh, a little heads up that this was going to be one of the questions uh, because I was kind of thinking about it and thinking, what am I going to say in response to that? Um, it's not a quick answer, I'm afraid, all right? It's a problem. It's a problem, really, because I'm a minister of religion. Uh, when I talk, nothing happens quickly. It, there tends to be a bit of it. So, okay, look, there are four things uh, I was going to suggest um, in response to uh, that particular question. 
Let me see if I can find them. Number one, I think I, I want to say um, seeing young people enjoying themselves for me has probably got to be one of the big highlights. Uh, watching bands in Africa, some of the bands uh, in lots of places around the world, bands have been and gone uh, in Boys Brigade, FDF circles and things. Uh, in Africa, uh, it's big and it's wonderful. Uh, seeing the wonderful smiles on the faces of boys and girls enjoying themselves. Uh, young people engaging with the outdoors, hiking, tramping, kayaking, sailing, doing those sorts of activities. Uh, and of course, the, the huge camps, uh, you take FDF in Denmark with the thousands of people that attend their camp. So seeing young people enjoying themselves, that's number one. Uh, number two is uh, seeing young leaders involved in the organization. Uh, I think it's just great seeing young people take responsibility and leadership. Uh, and while that's true in lots of different places in the world, uh, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking in particular of East Africa. And so a big shout out uh, from me to Charles, who's the National Secretary in Kenya, Stephen in Uganda. Uh, there's Eric, who's in Rwanda. Uh, these are young leaders who are serving the organization uh, at a national level. And then there's uh, young people. Uh, involved at regional and local levels uh, in Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, BBUK, people in their early 20s. And look, I'm sure there are young leaders around very many places around the globe who generously give their time. So that's number two. Number three is meeting people. Uh, I have loved having the opportunity to get out and to meet people uh, because there are just so many wonderful people involved in global fellowship around the world. Uh, the commitment of so many people to Christian youth work is pretty humbling. Um, I think in particular, people like Richard Harkness, Paul Blackler, uh, who have been people who have been involved in Boys Brigade in New Zealand for many, many years. Highly competent people in their professional life who have given and given well and truly over and above to the work of Boys Brigade. Uh, people like Samuel Rubin, uh, in India, Desmond Ko, Albert Ching in Singapore, Sunny Wu in Hong Kong. Uh, these are names of people that have been involved in our organization. Uh, they've been around forever, really. Good people who are committed to the cause. There's Dantas, uh, who has been involved as the National Secretary in BGB Uganda for, gosh, I have no idea how many years he must have been there. Uh, Nana in Ghana, Masalso in Zambia, and Henry Curry in the Bahamas. So there you go. Uh, people is number three for me, just an incredible wealth of people who in many ways have given their lives to the work of serving uh, young people and bringing the gospel of Christ to them. The fourth one for me, and in some ways, I guess this is the most important uh, it has been the opportunity for me to learn something about cultural and spiritual awareness. Uh, and when Russia has just declared war on Ukraine, understanding a little bit about people who think differently to us uh, and learning to build bridges with those people and create space for peace is something which is uh, just incredibly important. Uh, for some reason, there's a default that humanity has uh, where for some of us, we don't like people who are different to us. And I guess that's where discrimination, where racism, uh, it's, that's where its roots are. 
But there are a couple of verses in the Bible. One's in the New Testament, and I'm sure it's probably the most famous verse in the Bible. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 31, where we're told to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, and then there's another verse in Leviticus, in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19.33, which talks about looking after strangers or people who are different to us. Now, I personally had a pretty sheltered upbringing. I was born in the United Kingdom uh, in Northern Ireland, moved over to New Zealand when I was around eight years old. And in New Zealand, we're kind of on the edge of the world. In many ways, the problems of the world don't impact on us uh, because they're just so, so far away. Uh, we just live in our heavenly little paradise in New Zealand quite happily here. And so for me, I think it would be fair to say the biggest highlight of my time in Global Fellowship was having my eyes open to how big and how wonderful uh, the globe is. I remember in particular the first time I went to Singapore and I walked past a Hindu temple and I noticed that there were snakes on the roof of this temple. Now, I'd been brought up, I'd been taught as a good conservative Baptist that the Hindu religion was effectively something which was evil. And so as I looked at all those snakes on the roof, what I actually saw was little demons on the roof of this Hindu temple in Singapore. And yet since then, I've come to discover that Hindu people are people who are just like you and me in actual fact. And between our two religions, there is just an incredible amount that we share in common with each other. There was another occasion when I uh, went to Bangladesh uh, and I was hosted by the bishop of the church in Bangladesh. Uh, because we had uh, a fairly strong uh, work in that part of the world. Uh, this was going back maybe 15 years ago. And he invited me to one of his church services, and he began the service with a hymn. But interestingly for me, it was a Muslim hymn. And at the time, I remembered thinking, gosh, this is all wrong, uh, because as with Hindu, I'd also been taught that Muslim people were really bad. Uh, and after all, Christians have been at war with Muslims for centuries of time. Uh, and yet, if you peel back the genesis of the Christian faith and the Muslim faith, we may use different words, the word Allah, the word God. And sure, some of our practices, some of our beliefs are very different. But at the same time, we share a lot of values in common and virtues. And the truth is, we're all God's people. We're all humans that are created in God's image. And rather than dividing and separating and hating those who are different to us, our job as Christians is to be peacemakers and bridge builders, because that's the essence of the gospel. Blessed are the peacemakers because the kingdom of God belongs to them. And look, so uh, that's a long answer to your question. But for me, I just have this huge sense of gratitude that Global Fellowship has enabled me to see God's creation. The world is way, way, way bigger than the tiny little slice of it that I live in. With all of its different ways, its values, its cultures, uh, the world uh, is a pretty wonderful place for us to be able to live in, and its people are quite magical, really. So there you go. Those are the highlights for me. 
Wow. It sounds like you, you've had a really great, great experience in, in GF and you've had an amazing opportunity to get to know like different people around the world. Um, and, and Global Fellowship as an organization is, is a great way for us to you know, look outside of the little bubble of our home and our country and see that there's so many more people out there that we can learn from and experience from. And, and all of that is really valuable. It shows like as, as a world. As a, as, a, as a globe that we're all really united all as all as human beings really as you said and not just you know split nations um, especially with everything that's going on in the world but i'm sure you know as global fellowship as as well as the great things that happened there must be some challenges that you've faced in, in doing in doing the work that, that you try and carry out can you share with us a little bit about what what challenges um global fellowship or you are facing yeah, sure. Um, look, I think there are four, which are, uh, three of them are all interconnected, really. The first one is funding is a major problem. Over the last 20 or 30 years, the shifts which have happened uh, in terms of funding that is available for civil society or not-for-profit non-government organisations, it's just become an incredibly competitive field. Uh, and so funding has become a major challenge, really. Uh, the second uh, one alongside funding I think one of my concerns has been uh, for many of our organizations, we've picked up the program of our forefathers and we've kind of considered the program to be similar to the Bible. It's there, we can't change it, we can't adapt it. And while it was brilliant and worked fantastically back in the day, uh, young people have changed and we need to adapt and change with them. Now, that doesn't mean the essence of the program, the uh, the four cornerstones of what Boys Brigade is all about or what FDF uh, is all about uh, changes at all. That commitment to uh, raising up young people to be good citizens, uh, founding them in Christian faith is all still vitally important. But we do need to adapt our programs to make sure that they appeal and are attractive to uh, young people. Uh, and so that is very much, uh, a, a, I think it's a challenge, not only in developing world countries, but also in developed world countries. Uh, the third thing, which is kind of aligned to that, really, is uh, my assessment of many of our organisations, and I guess this comes out of my change management background, is many of us struggling. Many of our organisations are struggling to have a sense of clarity around what it is they want to achieve, what their vision, their goals are, and then to develop really clear plans to achieve those goals. So that'd be uh, number three. And then number four would be, how do we go about the process of empowering young people? Uh, what do we need to do to see young people pick up the reins, take on responsibility for the organisation moving forward? How do we give power to them? So those are some of the challenges, I think, that, uh, that we are wrestling with and struggling with. And so following on from that, what are some of your hopes for the future of Global Fellowship? Hey, okay. Well, look, I want to kind of mush the funding, the programming and the vision and direction uh, challenges all into one, uh, because it seems to me that they're all interconnected. Uh, and the biggest challenge for many, many of our organisations is not only to get hold of a vision as to what they would like their organisation to look like. 
uh, in five or 10 years time, but then also to be very clear on what plans need to be put in place to see that become a reality. And for most funders nowadays, uh, that's what they want and what they need to see before they will release funding. So uh, they want plans and uh, in business terminology, they want something called a smart plan. Uh, and I thought I'd touch on what a smart plan is in case uh, some of you haven't come across it before. It's a little acronym. So the S stands for getting plans which are really specific. Uh, that's the S part of it. Uh, so specific, the M, SM, uh, is plans which are measurable. How will you know when you've actually achieved uh, what it is you've set out to do? Uh, the ASMA is make sure that it's achievable. It's got to be realistic. It's got to be something that you know you can do. Uh, number four, the RSMAR is to be realis uh, to be relevant. Sorry, so it has to be something which is going to be of value to children and young people. And lastly, is the TSMART. That's where we get smart plan from. Is that it needs to be time bound. It needs to have a very specific time as to when the project will be finished. And so, if we can get hold of a vision and develop plans in national organizations, uh, which are smart plans, then it puts us uh, as an executive committee, as global fellowship in a very good position to be able to go and put in bids for funding, to fund projects, to see our work expand and extend in new ways in different parts uh, of the world. So, uh, look, that's, uh, I think, um, part of the answer to your question. Uh, and then the other part of it for me is how do we find avenues for young people to take on greater roles of leadership uh, within the international structure? And so part of what we're doing this evening, uh, part of the group that you folk are involved in is the answer uh, in part to that. Uh, we've also run young leaders workshops in the past. We have an affiliation with um, a school in Denmark uh, run by FDF, uh, which runs a change maker program. Uh, but we're also talking uh, within the executive committee as to whether we need to have youth representation on the board of the organization and well as well. So how do we empower young leaders is uh, another very important area. Yeah, definitely. Um, getting those young people involved would be great because, you know, sometimes they don't know about all the opportunities that are out there for them to get involved with. And honestly, some of the stuff that you can do on an international level is so cool. Like being able to meet you, Tim, and find out a bit about how, you know, Global Fellowship and BB New Zealand works. But then, you know, meeting all of these young people all over the world and finding out that they all have the same passions that, that we do ourselves. Um, in, in our work with young people and in faith is absolutely, truly amazing. So if you could um, give these young people that are listening to this podcast that are involved with their own national organizations a bit of advice or encouragement, what is it that you'd say to them? Three things, I think. Firstly is work out what it is that you believe. Uh, so there's a little verse in the Bible, Philippines chapter 2, verse 12, that says, work out your salvation. Uh, our God is big. God is infinitely big. And the most important thing we can do in our life is to deal with God 
and to wrestle with what it is that we actually believe about God and where God fits within our life and uh, within our world. And part of that process means as you develop, as you mature, as you grow, you've got to be prepared to change some of the things that you once upon a time believed and thought were right, but no longer work for you. So the first thing for me is learn to wrestle with God and to really work out where God fits in in your life and in the world. Uh, Number two is to have a cause. Uh, Invest your time and your energy in things that matter to you, because this is what gives us a sense of meaning and purpose uh, for our life and a sense of satisfaction in life. So have a cause or causes and be committed to it. Uh, And the third one is dream big. Uh, and look for opportunities uh, that God opens up for all of us. I remember once having a conversation, I had the opportunity to talk with uh, the Secretary for Trade and International Affairs uh, within the New Zealand government. And we were talking about getting funding for civil society, non-government organisations. And he said the biggest problem he had wasn't that he didn't have money to give to those organisations but that there were just so few projects the organizations put up that were actually worth supporting or giving money to. Or to put another way, he was saying, we just aren't dreaming big enough. And so uh, I guess uh, the third thing for me is get dreams, have big dreams, and uh, then develop smart plans to see your dreams come to fruition. Uh, That's develop plans which are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Thank you so much, Tim. We want to know what can we be praying for you and for for Global Fellowship? Um, If you could give us some prayer points, that would be great. Yeah, sure. Look, I think if I was to try and pull everything together, into three sentences as to what I've said this evening. It probably goes something like this. Uh, Prayer points are one, that we would find ways to genuinely empower young people into leadership. Uh, Number two, that we would find fresh ways of programming uh, that young people can really enjoy and engage in. And number three, that we would uh, be able to find ways of working with organizations to expand their sense of vision and to help them develop clear plans so that funding will flow. So those would be the three things. Um, Empowering young people, creative programming, and big vision with clear plans. How's that? Brilliant. Thank you. So wherever you are listening from, if you could please um, join with me as I pray for Global Fellowship. Lord, we thank you that we could meet together and hear from Tim, Lord, about his work and how Global Fellowship has been working in your kingdom throughout its many years of operation. Lord, we pray for all the young people that are a part of the many, many member organisations of Global Fellowship. Lord, we pray that they will be empowered through both the programmes that Global Fellowship runs in, in the many countries and also through you and your word, Lord. Lord, we pray for those member organisations, Lord, um, that they would be effective in their programming. You would bless their leaders with wisdom and with passion um, to have big dreams, Lord. We know that you are a big God and you are infinitely able to provide more than we can ever think or ask for. And so we pray, Lord, that you would um, enable us to have big dreams um, and to dedicate those plans to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Well, Tim, thank you so much for taking the time out of, I'm pretty sure, would be a very busy schedule for you to, to talk to us today um, and to kick off our podcast. We really do appreciate the time you've given us. And it's been absolutely amazing to hear about you know, all of your experiences, all of your good experiences, as well as the challenges you have, um, and find out a bit more about you know, this global fellowship organization that some people might not have heard a lot from before. So thank you so much for coming onto our podcast. It has been absolutely so amazing. Thank you, Tim. Right. Very pleased to uh, have had the opportunity. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate that. How great was it to hear from Tim? To just hear about all the stuff that he's done in Boys Brigade and Global Fellowship in the past and all the stuff that he's still doing. It's just so great to hear. Yeah, and it really struck me about some of the challenges um, that they're having at the moment, especially financially. Like, I wouldn't think a global organisation that helps so many member organisations across the world would have um, a problem with their funding. But I guess, you know, they're as much of an organisation as any other organisation is. Um, And that's something that it'd be really great if we could help out with you know whether it's doing some fundraising to help members get to different events um, or just some fun you know do a car wash or a, or a film evening just at your local company for the kids that take part and to be able to raise some funds would be absolutely amazing yeah it is so cool that we get to you know we get to partner with people all over the world in all all trying to uh, achieve this one goal of uh, of spreading the gospel among young people all over the world and, and you know being able to get together and do things like organizing funding and get people all over the world together to try and solve these big problems but one of the problems is is that we are all over the world in many different time zones and countries and languages and cultures and so bringing us together is a challenge but we have what we hope is going to be a really awesome solution to that, which is coming up at the end of May. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Margaret? So run for the first time last year and again this year because it was so successful. We are having a global fellowship week and this week is going to be filled with fun activities and information from global fellowship, from our member organisations for everyone around the world to hear and take part in. These are gonna be hosted on a variety of channels, on our Facebook, um, you know, live Zoom events, a bit of everything, all for you to take part, to find out more and to dip your toe into international work with Global Fellowship. Yeah, and if you are a young leader listening to this podcast, we're going to be having some specific young leader events during the week as well, which I'm super excited for. I mean, I'm super excited for the whole week, but specifically getting to meet uh, some young leaders from all over the world. Uh, it's going to be pretty cool. And you don't have to leave your house to do it. Do it right from your desk. Get exactly. to know, get to meet people from around the world. Where else do you get that opportunity? Thank you for listening to the Global Fellowship Podcast. To stay connected, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And stay tuned for the next episode of this podcast, where we'll be interviewing another great guest.